0: Support for this NPR podcast and the following message come from Easy Cater. Committed to helping companies from nonprofits to the Fortune 500 find food for meetings and company events. With online ordering and 24-7 live support. Learn more at easycater.com.
1: Heyo, Maddie here. Hope you're all doing all right out there. While we're working on some new stuff, here's an episode from the early days of the show that you might have missed. I think you'll like it. New episode tomorrow. Make sure you subscribe to or follow our show on your podcast app of choice. And keep washing those paws. Okay, on to the show. You're listening to Shortwave from NPR. Maddie Sofia here with our very own Shortwave reporter and sometimes host, Emily Kwong. Greetings, Emily Kwong. Hi, Maddie. we whispering because today's
2: episode is about asmr i'm gonna get out of whisper mode (laughs) for a moment
1: great it was creeping me out
2: and explain me too with a quick story from a scientist in the uk
3: named julia my name is julia puerio i am god i haven't thought about my age i'm 31 Julia's a lecturer at the University of Essex,
2: and she still remembers vividly being a little girl, and occasionally
3: she would get this very distinct feeling in certain situations. Really early examples would be things like watching my mum brush her hair or put her makeup on, um, getting my feet bit measured for school shoes, um, a teacher explaining something to me really carefully. And Maddie, in situations like these, she would enter this trance-like state, of relaxation. The feeling itself um, is a warm, tingling sensation that starts at the, the crown of the head almost like uh, bubbles under the scalp. That That's not where bubbles go. <laughs> <laughs> and can spread throughout the rest of the body, so down the spine and through the limbs.
2: That brain-tingling feeling, experienced by some people, is called ASMR, Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response, a psychophysiological experience reliably triggered by certain things like whispering, personal attention, soft voices, a whole host of things.
1: So today on the show, ASMR researcher Julia Puerio helps us explain the science behind the sensation. And we ask, does this have anything to do with the slime trend? Oozing
2: across the internet? <laughs> I don't like it. It's coming for you, Maddie Sophia. <laughs> <laughs>
0: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Comcast Business. Is it possible to get business internet you can really rely on? It is with Comcast Business. Keeping businesses of all kinds up and running with a network powered by 99.9% reliability. Plus, advanced security to help outsmart threats to your data. And 24-7 customer support to help anytime. With Comcast Business, reliable business internet isn't just possible, it's happening. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary. This message comes from NPR sponsor, RSM. Change waits for no one. But when it happens, and it always does, be prepared to take charge with RSM's proven advisors who make it their business to fully understand yours. RSM brings human insights, powered by technology, so you can leverage the knowledge of future-focused minds who look beyond the ordinary. RSM Experience the power of being understood. Take charge now at rsmus.com slash Spotify.
2: Okay, so Maddie. Yes, ma'am. Our tour guide through the world of ASMR is Julia Poerio. We're gonna hear from her in a bit. She is a real life person who experiences ASMR. (laughs) A real live one. And researches it. ASMR is not exactly a big field of scientific study, and it's only been a thing in public discussion for about a dozen years. That's about when, in 2007, people began to find each other and build communities online, calling this feeling they had ASMR.
1: So these people just, like, get really zenned out by
2: whispering? There's a whole host of different triggers for different people. It could be whispering. Soft tapping? Rustling of paper. There seems to be a visual component to all of this, but not always. Things like slow movements, delicate hand gestures can induce an ASMR experience. One of the most popular ASM artists on YouTube, that's what the people who make these ASMR videos online are called, is ASMR Darling. Here she is quietly touching a little house made of Legos with her fingernails. Uh huh. Yeah. Here she is unwrapping a starburst. Yeah, that is a starburst and being unwrapped. My personal favorite, here she is counting down slowly in a whisper from a thousand. nine hundred ninety nine. 998. These videos, 997. they get millions of views on YouTube. 996. When you and I hear this we hear it but for some people they feel it and that's what happens for julia and those who experience asmr it's a little
3: bit like music induced chills or awe inspired chills so sometimes you know if you hear an amazing speech like a martin luther king speech you might get those kind of those goosebumps those shivers up your spine which is a really kind of complex emotional aesthetic response that some people experience and other people don't
1: So this is a young woman doing this and you're like looking at her face and she's really close to the camera. Mm. It seems very intimate. Is this like, is this a sex thing, Kwang? <laughs> to be honest, that was my initial thought too. I don't experience
2: ASMR, but Julia said based on studies she's done monitoring those who do, ASMR is not the feeling of getting turned on.
3: In our research, we, of course, measured people's heart rates and, on average, heart rate decreased when people watched ASMR videos, which is exactly the opposite of what you would expect if it was somehow a sexually arousing feeling. I don't know why, but that makes me feel better about it.
1: Hmm. It is. It's something else. So if it's not like this sexual feeling, what is it? Like, in the brains of people who experience it, what's going on?
2: We don't actually know what is happening, truly, in the brains of people who experience it, nor how many people experience it at all. The important thing to know here is there isn't a ton of scientific research on this topic. There is one study, though, that really interested Julia. It's a 2016 paper by Canadian researchers that looked at the brains of people who experience ASMR when their brains were in a restful state, basically not doing anything. And they looked at this specific
3: network within the brain. Something called the default mode network, which is associated with things like daydreaming and mind wandering and also self-referential thought. Um, And what they found was that essentially that they, they thought that the brain network activity at rest shows that they're less able to inhibit sensory and emotional responses.
2: Basically, they were less able to separate the link between what their senses are picking
1: up and what they're feeling in their bodies. Sensory emotional experiences weren't as suppressed. Okay, that makes sense to me. They experience their senses in a different way than, like, I experience my senses or something like that.
2: Kind of. Like I said, this is one of many early studies, and what's also interesting is how people are experimenting with new ASMR triggers on the Internet. Remember the oozing I mentioned earlier?
1: Yeah, I remember that. It was unfortunate.
2: I have with me in my hand um, something that produces sound, and... Uh, I'm going to introduce it to you. Ugh. <laughs> uh, you did have a nice little bit of flair. So what I'm holding in my hand is slime. Oh, my God. Hmm. Floam, technically. Slime with little foam pieces inside. Do you hear that? Yeah, I can hear it. Well, in the last few years, there's been a boom in videos of people manipulating slime. Yeah. It'll have color or glitter or charms mixed into it. People have gotten very creative with their slimes. It's fun to play with and it also has a sound. Not doing it for you. No, it's not. It's doing something different. In fact, you are shrinking in your seat <laughs> I trying don't. to get as far away from me as possible. I don't I don't like it. Do You wanna play with it? I mean
1: <laughs> Why <laughs> did you give me the... you? <laughs> Why did you give me the part one? I brought this
2: in because if you search hashtag ASMR on Instagram right now. Guess how many posts come up? Six? 7.6 million. Oh my god!
1: And
2: the vast, not vast majority, but a number of them are videos of people doing exactly what you're doing right now. Just manipulating slime and making these satisfying, squishy sounds. Are
1: there groups of people who experience (laughs) anti-ASMR? Like, instead of feeling soothed, right now I feel very unsettled and my belly hurts
2: that would be called misophonia (laughs) different episode we wanted to ask our scientist julia if slime is a bona fide trigger
3: for asmr I mean, I guess there are parallels. Probably people who experience ASMR would experience ASMR when they're watching things like slime videos. However, one thing I would say is that actually there's been quite a lot of interlocking between different kind of trends. So ASMR and slime and things like McBang have all kind of... Side note, McBang
2: started in South Korea. It broadcasts people eating food while talking to their audience with high quality microphones. What a nightmare.
3: The internet slime and things like McBang have almost piggybacked onto the asmr trend so
2: sure what under the sometimes category on the internet of oddly satisfying yeah
3: or the hashtag asmr because i suspect it is piggybacking on asmr as a kind of term to get people to watch videos
2: so when you see a video of someone let's say cutting soap or icing a cookie Mm -hmm. oh someone playing with really pretty slime That may be oddly satisfying, but if you don't have the brain tingles, it's not ASMR that's talking to you. At the same time, Julia said that the more ASMR is linked to things like slime videos, that could change what it means for people on the Internet. She's focused, though, on the world of science and has a lot of outstanding questions. Why do some people experience it and others don't? Why do some people experience it at a higher intensity than others? And also, and this is really
3: interesting to me, what is the effect of ASMR on sleep? So we know anecdotally that people who experience ASMR use these videos on YouTube to help them go to sleep. Um, And I guess a question is, well, why why does ASMR help you go to sleep? And another important question with regards to sleep is, you know, does it not only help you get to sleep, but does it also improve the quality of your sleep? So, um... For some
2: people, this might be like the modern day version of counting sheep. Who says counting sheep? <laughs> 1,999. <laughs> <laughs> thanks again to Julia Poerio in the UK, and special thanks to
1: Emmanuel Johnson and NPR's Vanessa Castillo for their help on this episode. And thank you, Emily Kwong, reporter for Shortwave here at NPR's Science Desk, and sometimes slimy host of Shortwave. You're welcome. I'm Maddie Sofia. Thanks for listening to Shortwave from NPR. Face masks have become the new normal as we continue to grapple with the ongoing pandemic. But when did we start wearing masks for our health and safety?
0: This week on Throughline, the origins of the N95 mask and how it became the life-saving tool It is today.
1: Throughline from NPR, the podcast where we go back in time
0: to understand the present.
1: This message comes from NPR sponsor, ShipBob. E-commerce logistics making
2: you question why you started your business. Time to outsource fulfillment to the experts over at ShipBob. Get a free quote at shipbob.com. ShipBob.